You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It was a wild weekend in sports. LeBron is suspended. Baker's yelling at his own fans. His wife's getting after them, too. Fitz's quarterback is starting to sound like Fitz, which is a real problem. The Browns barely beat the Lions, which, you know, results in that Baker yelling at his own fans. The Bears are embarrassing once again, and a whole bunch of top teams took an L. And I'm starting to sound like a broken record, which I, I just realized as I said it is a very dated reference. What You guys need to help me. What is a current reference for a broken record? I know LPs are back in style, but um, I don't know. Your iPhone doesn't skip on your podcast, so I'm aging myself with that reference. But every week, I start the show on a Monday with, we don't know what the hell we're watching. And it happened again. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz going to join me in a little bit. Uh, and again, he's he's not going to be happy today. Just like I'm not happy. Just like a lot of fans of their football teams were not happy this weekend. Namely, fans who wanted reassurance that their teams deserve to be in the top. That they deserve to be in our power rankings. Confident week in and week out that they're going to show up. But the Bills, the Titans, the Cowboys, the Packers, a lot of disappointed people. And I'm going to give you the Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless, because a couple of these teams, frankly, deserve it. Now, some of them, I think, are in a worse situation than others, but, man, it is getting more and more difficult week in and week out to say that you know what you're getting when a team lines up. I will take all the credit in the world, by the way. When we were asked to do power rankings last week, and y'all were picking the Packers and the Cowboys, I said the Cardinals. I said the Cardinals because I know what's wrong with them. It's just that Kyler Murray's out. This is a good team. Get Kyler Murray back in there. They're back in the win column. They didn't even need to do that. They won without him. So until I see the Cardinals do what I've seen some of these other top teams do, they're still sitting on the top for me. And the Chiefs are getting close to being back there. Because the Chiefs' defense is what looked for real against the Cowboys. We were expecting a shootout. If you had asked me, how is this going to go? Who's going to win? I would have said whichever team's offense shows up and beat the brakes off the other. And it was the Chiefs' defense. This was a much lower scoring game than I thought. The Cowboys entered the game leading the league in scoring. Only top five team in rushing and passing in the league. And that Chiefs' pass rush got after them. Chris Jones... Had a hell of a game. And so we're going to still see from this Chiefs team what they bring. But man, did that make me feel more confident that they have this figured out. And man, did it make me have some more serious questions about the Cowboys. Dan Orlovsky, ESPN football analyst, said it quite well this morning on, on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. They just looked outdone, outcoached, outplayed, outconfidenced. That's not a thing, but that's what it looked like. Here's what Dan said. I thought the Cowboys, one, looked like wannabes in compared to playing against champions, playing against guys who have proven it. Number two, they played scared. They coached scared. Number three, the moment was too big for them. Everybody, the moment, the environment, the team they were playing against was too big. I still believe the Cowboys are a really good team. We do have to put into context five starters, essentially, were out for this football game. Randy Gregory, Demarcus Lawrence, Tyron Smith, Amari Cooper, and CeeDee Lamb goes out at halftime. So, you know, five starters being out. I I thought Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator, absolutely whooped Kellen Moore. Kellen's my boy. I love him. He's brilliant. Spagnuolo absolutely whooped him. Chris Jones was by far the best player on the field. 
Dak Prescott played very average football. I thought Dak Prescott had one of his worst games when it comes to like handling, again, handling the moment. I thought he had one of his worst games. Yeah. He didn't even have a pass completed of more than 10 air yards until the second half. He got sacked three times in the first half. They made him uncomfortable and the protection wasn't there. And he just couldn't find a way to get the offense going. Worth noting, by the way, they get to play again on Thanksgiving. Good news. Let's get this, you know, cleared out of our minds. Let's move forward with a win. But they won't have Amari Cooper, and they might not have Lamb if he doesn't pass concussion protocols. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, taking you through some more of these crazy upsets that we're seeing week in and week out for some of the best teams in the NFL. The Titans. The Titans losing 23-13 to to the Texans. I have not been one of those people that has been calling the Titans record an anomaly. I I think they're real, but I also wasn't one of the ones saying they're atop my power rankings. I needed to see them against some other teams. 7-0 against playoff teams entering this game, but some of those wins, especially early in the season, against teams that, eh, they they weren't at their best yet. Titans needed some time to figure themselves out. We need to still see how much they could do offensively when Ryan Tannehill has an off night because they don't have Derrick Henry to depend on again. But four picks for Ryan Tannehill. Titans were favored by 10 points against the Texans. Texans had one win. And from the start to finish, they played down to them. And that's the concern for me. I don't know what position you'd rather be in. Would you rather be a team that keeps it tight against very good teams and falls, and those are your losses? Or a team that beats those good teams and then absolutely implodes against crap teams? Because playing down to bad teams won't affect you in the playoffs. Presumably, there won't be those bad teams in the playoffs. You'll play up to your competition and be ready for the moment. If I'm a Titans fan, I don't know if I can shrug this off a little more when I look at our two losses and say, oh, those are bad teams. Two of those losses, those are bad teams, so I don't have to worry about it as much. But Field Yates was on primetime, and he said, this wasn't just a trap game. This wasn't just a team who overlooked a bad Texans. This team needs rest. Derrick Henry obviously going out is the biggest blow to Tennessee, but beyond that, Bud Dupree hurt his abs last week. He's now on IR. Julio Jones, he's on IR due to that hamstring injury. They have missed several key starters. Jack Rabbit Jenkins was out today. He's their best cornerback, and I'm not sure it's really that close. I just feel like what today was the perfect storm, and I'm not talking about the weather, of circumstances for this team to just sort of lay an egg here. And, you know, they play next week, and they play the Patriots on the road. It will not be easy. As a matter of fact, they'll probably end up being underdogs, according to Vegas, going into that game. But what this team needs more than anything else to me is a break. They need a mental break. They have just been through so much that, like, I don't know how you continue to muster up the energy every single week they need that bye week in a major way. And they're, uh, they're not, they're not going to get it yet, right? Um, it's coming up after they face a really tough Patriots team. So will they pull it together and step up and play up to competition or struggle again? It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, represented by Progressive Insurance. Guest going to join me on the Goodyear hotline. The last biggest loss of the weekend went to the Bills again who seemed to just struggle to find their identity. They got absolutely worked by Jonathan Taylor, 185 yards and four touchdowns, uh, then another 19 yards and a fifth score on three catches. So killed him on the ground, killed him with a catch as well. 41 to 15 Colts win. And we'll keep an eye on the Colts. We'll get to them because that's a middle of the pack team that suddenly looks like they need to be contended with. But the Bills run defense has just struggled. They, They are not good against the best running backs in the league. 
you knew that the Colts were going to try to repeat the success that Derrick Henry had with the Titans back in week six, and that's what they did. They offensively are just inconsistent. They missed two field goals, for God's sakes. I mean, this team on a, on a number of different levels just didn't show up. And that's the biggest concern we've had all season is who are they? Are those early wins aberrations now? And this is who the real Bills are? Because Dan Orlovsky was on KJ and Max and talked about how th there's a fundamental part of this game that they have not figured out. This is the most alarming thing for me. You don't have to make them one-dimensional. They'll do it themselves. You know, like, they willingly will play one-dimensional football. And I love their offense, and I love Brian Dable, their offensive coordinator. But there's too many games this year where they're going, we're not even going to try to run the football. We're not going to try to – and what, what happens, Jay, is when you do that – Defenses, okay, are, we don't have to respect anything you do but throwing the football. Defensive linemen don't have to respect any type of play fake. They don't have to respect any type of where's the quarterback going to be other than, all right, he's going to be right behind the center, six yards. As long as we keep him there, we know he's going to be there. There's no movement. There's no uh, forcing a defense, a second level of a defense. The linebackers, the, where's the football? You know, where's the ball? We don't know. You make yourself one-dimensional. And so if you're going to be non-physical, and one-dimensional, yeah, I like, and I love them, but that, that, that is concerning to me. Yes, it is concerning. A lot of questions about the Bills. Tough to be confident in the Bills week after week. That was straight talk. Brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. No contract, no compromise. That's how some of the top teams fared. But uh, don't look now, because the few teams we have maybe forgotten about or thought were out of it are in the middle of the playoff mix. And we're going to get into that next, plus your Thanksgiving traditions at Spain and Fitz. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Yeah, Fitz not loving the show today when he's got to drag his butt over here in 45 minutes and talk about the Raiders at some point. I don't think we have time to get to the Bears today. There's just too much else to talk about. I just, I don't think we have time. Unless that's to talk about firing Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy and anybody else who's in any way remotely involved with how this team operates. Because that was so embarrassing and deeply hurtful. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, both of us are super frustrated today. Our producer Stosh is a Chiefs fan. He walked in here like LeVar Ball on first take, feeling good about himself. There's a couple other fans of teams that maybe up until the last few weeks felt pretty down, and now they're watching their teams surge into actual playoff contention. And the question is, are these middle-of-the-pack teams to be believed in? It's, it's, a, it's a question I'll ask you, but I have another question first. It's an important one. I heard this cut from Harry Douglas on KJM this morning, and he seems to take quite the liberties with his Thanksgiving Day spread. Here's what he said. We don't even eat turkey on Thanksgiving because I don't like turkey like that. So we eat ham, baked chicken, uh, stuff like that, man. We may have some – I may cook some ribs up, even though it's Thanksgiving. I don't care. I like ribs. I may throw some ribs on the grill, yeah. too. It's, it's a catfish it's, all that. No collard greens? Yeah. It's your holiday. Yeah, I cook, I cook homemade want? collard greens. Okay. You going to fry that catfish? Yeah, I do it all, man. Okay. I got no problem with no turkey because, as has been established, I am a vegetarian. But when I was not, yeah, you got to have turkey. It's kind of the thing. Turkey's not great, but a Thanksgiving turkey is always good with the fixins, right? It's kind of a bland meat, but, but you, you know, on Thanksgiving, you put all the stuff together around it, and it makes for something great. So I'm not down for just a random assortment of meats that have nothing to do with the holiday. There's a part of me that likes tradition too much to say you could just throw out some ribs and claim that that's Thanksgiving. So I'm, I'm curious. We'll get the take on, you know, can you just assign a bunch of random meats 
to your Thanksgiving spread? Is that okay? Are you on board with Harry in, in that in that sense? But more importantly, do you have any traditions for Thanksgiving? We have so many Christmas traditions. We have so many Christmas movies and songs and outfits and elves on shelves and whatnot. Do you have any traditions around Thanksgiving that are not food related or NFL watching related? We all are going to eat way too much, pop that top button and hate ourselves, and we're all going to watch the Lions lose, right? That's just a given. But what else you got? At Spain and Fitz, at Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz. You could be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. Let us know if you got any traditions, non-football, non-food related. All right, let's get into some of these middle-of-the-pack teams that we saw and the damage that they did this weekend because, again, we don't know anything about the NFL this year and not just about the best, but these middle teams that are suddenly demanding our attention. One of them is the Vikings. A lot of people called this upset before this weekend, and they followed through. Justin Jefferson, 169 receiving yards, a pair of touchdowns. They got the identity that they used against the Chargers, and they built on it. They got it to their playmakers. Kirk Cousins took care of the ball. Thielen, eight catches, 82 yards, and a touchdown. Justin Jefferson dominating. Packers didn't have an answer. And if the Vikings' defense could hold on and not allow opposing teams to keep coming back in. I don't know how many Vikings fans were watching thinking, yeah, they're definitely going to make this game-winning field goal because I sure wasn't. That's just not how it works usually for the Vikings. But they did this time. But they wouldn't have been in that position if not for their defense letting Aaron Rodgers come on back down and, and force it again. So, you know, this is a Packers defense that had people saying, okay, now we know that they're good enough. They're, they're not good enough. They gave up 10 points on the last two possessions for the Vikings. They didn't have an answer for Jefferson. They let Kirk Cousins go off for 341 yards and three touchdowns. So there are some questions about this Packers team. Aaron Rodgers looked really slow off the top, then got really good down the stretch. Is this just, you know, from COVID, from the foot injury, toe injury, he's, he's going to be fine once, once you know, he gets another couple practices? Or is it going to be a half-and-a-half half game for him going forward where he needs a little time to get back into it? Kevin Clark, who's going to join us a little bit, had this stat. Kirk Cousins now has 25 career games with at least 300 passing yards and three touchdown passes, more than Aaron Rodgers. Cousins now the second most games by a quarterback in his first 10 seasons in NFL history, second only to Dan Marino, who has one more game with at least 300 passing yards and three touchdowns. Kirk Cousins not getting a lot of attention and credit this year because of a rough start, all the vaccination stuff, polarizing guy. But keep an eye on the Vikings if they can figure that out, and if their defense can get a little stronger down the stretch. Packers are a team that you keep an eye on, too. See if they can get back to the strength that we thought before the whole Rodgers incident looked a little bit rougher last two weeks. The Eagles are a team that have officially entered the playoff hunt. They now have a 40% chance of making the playoffs, according to ESPN's Football Power Index. They would have been at 11% with a loss. This was a huge game. And their run game took over. Jalen Hurts, three rushing touchdowns, almost 100 yards from Miles Sanders. This was the fight all the beginning of the season. What is Nick Sirianni doing? Why is he ignoring Miles Sanders? Why can't they run the ball? Well, now they figured it out. 175-plus yards on the ground for the fourth straight game. That's their longest streak since 1950. And then their defense getting in there. Three turnovers, forcing mistakes. And now you've got the Eagles with the second easiest closing schedule in all of the league. 
really good shot at getting a wild card spot and looking at the future saying we might have our guy at quarterback. John Kincaid, 97.5 The Fanatic on primetime talking about Jalen Hurts. I'd say he's moving the needle in that direction. I'm, I'm sore on the 50-yard line because I worry about the sustainability of a quarterback that runs that much and puts his body at risk like that. But if that kind of offense is sustainable. But Jalen Hurts has absolutely shown in the last four weeks that when Nick Sirianni finally drew up a balanced offense, he's managed to have some great success. And this whole city has sort of fallen in love with his enthusiasm, his energy, his leadership. So it would be a great story if the Eagles had found their guy in Jalen Hurts. It would be a great story. I think a lot of people, after his trials and tribulations in college and now with the Eagles, they would like to see him be the guy. A little more left to be seen to make sure that he is. But boy, the last couple of weeks have been a real turnaround for people's impressions of the Eagles. Colts? How about the Colts? Right? I mean, beyond Jonathan Taylor, who absolutely went off, they, they, they are in the thick of it. Above 500 for the first time all season. Finally got off the schneid. They had an eight-game losing streak against uh, teams that were in the playoffs last year. Had a big win. The problem with the Colts in terms of trying to look ahead and see if they can keep this momentum moving is four of their last six games are against teams with a winning record. They got the Bucks next. That is a tough one if they want to try to continue proving to us that they are the team we thought at the beginning of the season should have a shot at, at doing something. Such a disappointing start, but now keep an eye on the Colts and the Chargers. I don't know if the Chargers really ever fell out of favor to be middle of the pack, but certainly some struggles. And it took every last second of last night to beat the Steelers. But, man, Chargers have some finish in them. Four touchdowns from Eckler. Justin Herbert for three. That was a wild game. That game was drunk. That game got into the holiday booze early. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can save big when you bundle your auto, home, motorcycle, RV, or boat. Visit Progressive.com. When Fitz comes around and asks him what his level of confidence is in some of those middle-of-the-pack teams and, of course, some of those top teams that struggled. Coming up from a 2-4 and four start to first place, how did this team get there? We'll talk to one of them. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Yeah, that's right. Monday Night Football tonight. You might be tempted not to watch. Oh, it's Bucks. They'll handle the Giants easily. And then you remember that this is the NFL this year. And anything can happen. The Bucks could be next to go down in an upset. We'll keep an eye on that one all show. Let you know how that's going. It's Spain and Fitz. Sarah Spain with you right now. Fitz going to join me later here on ESPN Radio, ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline, including our next guest, New England Patriots wide receiver Kendrick Bourne. Coming off another big win. Kendrick, thanks for the time. Of course. Thanks for having me. First, I need your reaction. I want to get to your team and how well you're playing, but when you're watching these games and we have another weekend like this where some of the very best are going down to some of the very worst, how do you make heads and tails of what we've seen in the NFL this season? Um, it's just a crazy league, like you said. It's, you just never know what's going to happen. So um, just always trying to prepare the right way, you know, prepare for the opponent. Uh, the right way and just go out there and make the plays happen. Um, you know, you just, you, you can't, you can't take opponent, any opponent lightly. And uh, I think we've been doing that pretty good these last few games. So uh, we don't want to be the team to go down. You know, we, uh, we've been on a streak, so you just got to keep it up, man, and stay on a high horse and, and not look back. So it's been going well. 
Yeah, it's amazing to me that you could take any team lightly after witnessing all of this. Like, those trap games should not be happening when you've seen what's happened to some of the best in the league. This is your first year as a Patriot, so it's kind of wild because you come in at a time where you've got a, a rookie quarterback, expectations are maybe lower, uh, you know, you, you, you're not expecting maybe to be jo joining this machine like in the past, and here we are, week 11, Patriots are back in first. What's it been like playing for Bill Belichick and how have maybe expectations changed from the beginning of the season till now? No, the process has just been awesome. Um, we just all gelling together. You know, it took a little time uh, and it's still, it's still taking time. You know, we're not nowhere near where we can be. And I think that's everybody's mindset, but it's just exciting, you know, to see the potential of us, even after, you know, these last five weeks, we still have a high ceiling. So, uh, I think that's the most exciting part. You know, Bill is doing a great job of getting through to all of us in different ways uh, to make us fit together. And Mac is the biggest piece, of course. And uh, his his growth uh, this year has just been exciting to see. I'm glad to be a part of it. And uh, just want to keep it rolling, you know. Can't get ahead of ourselves and can't look back, you know, kind of just stay in the moment and, and look at the next game so, so we can put ourselves, keep ourselves in the position we put ourselves in. So it. It's exciting as a whole, and the process has been great. And I think that's the biggest thing. We've all been trusting the process, and, you know, you get the results from, from buying into the process. Mm, the Patriots way has got to him already. He is already indoctrinated. <laughs> he's, a, he's got the Patriots way talking points down. It's Kendrick Bourne, Patriots wide receiver, with me here on Spain and Fitz. You mentioned Mac Jones. I mean, man, what an impressive start. And doing it in a way that feels so special accurate to, to the process like you said to the way that Bill Belichick brings up his QBs looking like Tom Brady early in his career better even than Tom Brady early in his career what has impressed you about Mac so far yeah, I think just relaxed he is he uh he just doesn't seem to to get get shook in like it's just so awesome like anything he goes through it's a take or you have a phone he, he seems to be just the same and I think that's the great the best mindset any NFL player to have is you know how to forget any bad situation and you know, you focus on the good, you focus on what what could happen good rather than the, the possibility of bad. So I think he's really good with that and, and as a team we're all kind of thinking like that and we're getting good results. So it's like you 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 were behind a guy like him thinking like that, you know, it just it's a trigger effect to the whole team. So he you know, he's the head of our team and he's doing a great job of holding it together and, and being poised, being relaxed in the in the toughest situation. So and we but we haven't probably even seen our tough situation. So the potential of him in, in these situations he's been in just been dope to see at, at the age he's at. And I'm just glad to be a part of it. You know, help I play a big role in his success too. So, you know, I, I really take my role seriously and, and, and as we all should, but as a receiver and, and my receivers, we, we really hold ourselves to a high standard for him. So, you know, it, it's easier for him at, at his age. And it's just dope to see us jail together and and get the results these last few weeks, and hopefully we keep it going. It is very impressive to have a young rookie guy like that really lead the team, not just in name because of his quarterback position, but because of his demeanor and the way he reacts to things. Talking to Kendrick Bourne of the Patriots right now, having incredible success, and I'm curious, you spent your first couple years with the Niners. Now you're on to the Patriots, where Bill Belichick's most oft comparisons are to, like, Emperor Palpatine or Darth Vader. And then on the other side, you had Kyle Shanahan, who's, like, you know, the extra member of the Beastie Boys. What was the biggest difference between, you know, playing for those two guys? Uh, I think it's just the age. You know, Kyle's more, like, new school. Bill's definitely old school. Like you said, it's just, I think that's the biggest thing. Uh, but I definitely learned a lot from both of them. 
um, Kyle definitely helped me uh, in my career, and Bill is just uh, excelling me at a, at a rate that I never imagined I could. And it's just dope to uh, be a part of two organizations that um, are known for winning. And for me to come over here, playing with one of the best uh, coaches in, in the NFL is just an honor in itself. So, um, yeah, just the age gap. You know, Bill's old school and, and Kyle's younger. So it's just like when I came over here, I'm like, <laughs> I'm maturing way faster than I was over <laughs> here. So, uh, it's just dope to uh, be able to learn from, from one of the best, man. I'm, I'm glad I'm in the situation I'm in. Spain and Fitz talking to Patriots wide receiver Kendrick Bourne. You're launching some NFTs uh, with the Disruptive Sports Agency. Fans can go to DisruptiveSports.com slash NFT to see and bid on them. Uh, starting uh, for sale on OpenSea platform on December 19th. And they come with a personalized Nike Air Force One shoe, which is wild. So why did you select the Air Force Ones? Uh, it's just a unique shoe. Um, you know, they, I don't know why they've been so rare lately. Uh, to buy a, a pair of all-white all Air Force One has been kind of rare, which is weird. But uh, it's just something unique. Trying to try to do something different, um, you know. Trying to trying to make it make it pop in in a, in a different way. But uh, it's just a great idea that that we came up with, and uh, just trying to you know stay with stay with the way the world is is moving and and evolving, which is dope in itself. Yeah, that's really cool. I have a custom Air Force Ones with my Chicago Red Stars uh, Chicago flag design on them. One of yours is the Polynesian pride uh, for, for one of those Air Force One shoes. Why'd you choose that? Why did you want to give a shout-out to your Polynesian heritage? Yeah, just for my culture, of course. Uh, show love to my people and put us on the map. Uh, show, show the world how unique we are, how special we are in our own ways. And uh, the designs on there really are special. You know my grandmother and stuff, so it's just it's just a dope design, dope art that you know my guys came up with, and uh, it just kind of talks about my my heritage and where I come from and, and my blood and stuff like that. So uh, it's just a dope dope piece, and, and I'm really proud of it. And hopefully, people uh, love it and are excited about, it, especially you know my Polynesian people. It's dope. Yeah, that's awesome. That. I'm glad you're taking advantage of this opportunity. It sounds like you're learning a lot and getting better as a player. And as angry as I am that the Patriots are in first place again, while my Bears are stinking it up as usual, uh, I'm happy for you and that team and the young guys on there. So uh, congrats on the season so far. Good luck with the rest of it. Thank you so much for having me. Kendrick Bourne with me again, disruptivesports.com slash NFT if you want to see and bid on the NFTs and get those personalized shoes. He was brought to you by Goodyear with you for every mile on the road to greatness. Goodyear, more driven. Coming up, we'll get back to the mess that was week 11 in the NFL. It's coming up. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz with you on a Monday night. Fitz going to join me in just a little bit. We'll see if he can muster up the energy to talk a little Raiders. I, I, I don't know what was worse. I do know it was worse. The Bears. The Bears were even worse. But both of us are feeling rough today. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Going to join me now to talk about hopefully neither of those teams, just the rest of the league. Ringer senior writer, host of the Ringer NFL show, Kevin Clark. Kevin, quickly, let's start with tonight because I'm wondering what the likelihood is that the Bucks are the next to fall prey to whatever the hell's going around the NFL right now where good teams lose to bad squads. What, what are the odds on the Bucks uh, being a part of that tonight in Monday Night Football? 
we're just sort of going through it already, right, Sarah? I mean, they lost to the football team, obviously. They lost to the Saints on, on Halloween. Um, it's been a weird season for everybody. You know, I saw a stat a couple of weeks ago, a couple of uh, hours ago, rather, um, that said that over the last three weeks there have been more sub-500 teams beating division leaders uh, than ever in history over a three-week span. Um, you know, there are more uh, last possession wins than we've ever seen um, at this point in, in the season. And mm-hmm. so this has been, you know, it's not just everybody's imagination. This has been one of the weirdest years ever in the history of football. And I kind of think that if you're a good team right now, you should expect some variants like this. And I kind of think you can chalk it up to whether it's the Bucks the last couple of weeks, whether it's the Packers yesterday, um, I and mean, some of these great teams, you know, the Bills losing to Urban Meyer a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it's just kind of a, a weird season that, that everybody's falling victim to, Sarah. Yeah, you mentioned it. 23 games have been decided on the last play, which is the most through 11 weeks since the merger. And 47 different quarterbacks have started. It's like since week eight. Since week eight, it's it's unbelievable. Um, So I started the show talking about some of those teams that struggled uh, in games that we, we expected them to come through on. The Bills, the Titans, the Cowboys. Which of those squads are you most concerned about after this weekend? Right now it's the Bills because the Bills got pushed around yesterday. I mean, it was bad. And I kind of think, listen, the, the Jaguars' loss was obviously much worse than giving up five touchdowns to Jonathan Taylor yesterday. Um, but this was embarrassing. And Sean McDermott said it yesterday, um, that, that they are not the physical football team they thought they were going to be. And, Sarah, i got to be honest with you. I mean, I, when I was in Buffalo during the preseason, I kind of felt like they had certain expectations, almost like they were – they were going to see the Chiefs in January, and there was nothing that was going to stop them, right? Um, and I kind of feel like they had that kind of we're good, we're going to be fine kind of expectation, and they're not there right now. And I think they, they thought they were, obviously, after they beat Kansas City a couple weeks ago. Um, but right now, they're really struggling to find their identity. Josh Allen is not the guy he was last year. Uh, across the board right now, I'm extremely worried about Buffalo because I just once your identity goes, what do you have left? They've got to write the ship right now. Completely agree with you. One-dimensional. Uh, they're not willing to run the football. They make it really easy on mm-hmm. defenses. And, again, they should have been woken up by that Jags loss, and it doesn't seem like they were. Same goes for the Titans, though. They have played down to bad teams. What did you see? And is it something to just shrug off as trap games, or will we see this carry over against the quality squads as well? I mean, you can't lose to the Texans. You, you simply cannot do it. Now, listen, they outgained the, the Texans 420 to 190. They made sloppy mistakes. Ryan Tannehill's not going to throw four interceptions every single week. And so I think that there were some, you know, I was talking to some of my colleagues, and they were saying, you know, the play calling has gotten stale. They haven't figured out how to replace Derrick Henry, all that stuff. I get that. But they also outgained him by almost 300 yards. So this was just a sloppy, sloppy game where Ryan Tannehill couldn't take care of the ball. Um, If you run that game back 100 times, they win it. 90 times um this was they just got away from them they lost by nine points i mean it's ridiculous uh but it was a sloppy game and and it's the kind of game you lose frankly if you're not focused and i know that we we try to have deeper analysis than that normally we do um but they were not ready to play uh, against a really bad texans team and, and you see what happens uh, kevin clark is with us here from the ringer you can also hear him on the ringer nfl show you know, Dan Orlovsky said that about the Cowboys, just sort of outmatched, outcoached, yeah. not ready for the moment. That's surprising to me with that squad and with the expectations they have. Is it as simple as that? It's as simple as, first of all, the Chiefs are almost back. And I, I don't want right. to say they're all the way back because that does a disservice to how good Patrick Holmes has been uh, over his career. Holmes is not there yet. They're almost there. Chris Jones is back. The defense is healthier. I saw a stat that the last uh, three weeks, they're playing basically as well as they did in 2019 uh, when they won the Super Bowl. So 
Yeah, the, 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 for me, that was a Chiefs win last night. Uh, Tyron Smith being out of the game changes the entire calculus of, of the Cowboys offense. I think that's something to, to sort of remember. They, they didn't have, I think, three guys who were – the Cowboys didn't have three guys who were in the top five of the highest-paid guys their position in the league um, when you think about Amari Cooper being out. Um, and so I think that there's just – I think there's some built-in excuses there. But on the other hand, Dak Prescott is a guy we were talking about being the MVP coming into this week, and he's got to play better. And he's not allowed to score nine points against the Chiefs defense. It's been pretty bad. So um, I, I agree with Dan. Um, there was just no energy there. It just felt like they didn't have any juice. And at some point, that comes down to Mike McCarthy. I, I've, I've been, you know, people have been trying to sell me on Mike McCarthy this whole year and saying right. it's better than I think. Just and, this I'm, year? I'm not seeing it. <laughs> I, I'm not seeing it. And so I, I you know, I – Right now, I'm I'm looking around for answers, and I, I I buy the injury stuff, but I also buy the are we sure Mike McCarthy's good kind of talk. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, going to join me in just a little bit. I'm talking to Kevin Clark about the NFL. Just weird, weird, weird through Week 11, and now there's a couple middle of the pack teams that are actually causing us to pay attention, demanding that <laughs> we consider them as playoff eligible, including the Eagles. Is 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 this? a good enough team and is Jalen hurt solid enough at this point is Nick Sirianni finally using Miles Sanders in the run game enough to believe in them that's a tough question um you know the Eagles are okay um and I think that there's at some point it becomes a math problem right um and and at some point you know I think five and five right now is good enough to be in the conversation for the the sixth seed and the seventh seed and the, the Vikings are are I think in the sixth seed right now. Um, the Niners are I think right right on the cusp. Those two teams play, play this Sunday. Um, the Eagles are in the conversation. I just don't think they have enough talent. I don't. I, I think even a team like the Vikings um, has a better case than they do. Um, even the Saints probably have a better pace, case than they do. Wow. Even going forward, even though that they lost yesterday um, and it wasn't particularly close. It was a Trevor Simeon thing. We have to see what the health is. We have to see. I mean, apparently they're spending you know tens of millions of dollars on Taysom Hill or whatever. Um, and so, but the fact that they made a statement against New Orleans yesterday was pretty important. Uh, I just don't think they, they have it. I've been impressed with Nick Sirianni and his ability to get better uh, every single week, uh, get Jalen Hurts the play calling he needs, as you said, using Miles Sanders. I liked their win over New Orleans yesterday. I just don't think in the NFC they're, they're really in the conversation, Sarah. We really just should have been more patient because, as Nick Sirianni told us, you need the right soil, and then you need to water the plant, and then you need to wait for the seed. To, like, you know, he's been gardening this whole time, and we're we're all playing checkers, I guess, and he's gardening. Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Fitz talking to Kevin Clark. What about the Colts? Was that just Jonathan yeah. Thomas going off and them not making mistakes, or are they a team to look at? No, they're, they're a team to look at. Uh, Carson Wentz has played really, really, really well um, over the past couple of weeks because he doesn't have to do anything. He had 106 yards last uh, yesterday, and they won almost by 30 points. Taylor had 185 yards, five touchdowns. Four, by the way, four touchdowns on the ground and one through the air. The last guy to do that was Sean Alexander. Mm. Okay, that's the kind of company he's, t- he's keeping. Um, Jim Irsay was texting, I guess, Edron James and Peyton Manning and all these guys and saying, you know, we, we've got somebody who's just like Edron James now. And I, I see it. I see it. And so, yes, it's time to pay attention to the Colts. I've always thought their front office and their coaching staff and their infrastructure was really, really good. Um, and so the fact that they've got a path here and they understand it, that to me is uh, is, is pretty interesting. Uh, 538 has them as a, as a 72% chance to make the playoffs. I kind of agree with that. Six and five is going to get you there with the extra playoff spot. I, I really like this Colts team. I don't think in the AFC they're going to win a playoff game, um, but I do think they're going to make some noise in December, uh, win some games they're not supposed to, and, and maybe give somebody a scare. Uh, Kevin, what about the Vikings? Uh, I wasn't high on them when the season started. Your insane stat about Cousins having – 
uh, 25 career games with 300 <laughs> passing yards and three touchdowns, second only to Dan Marino, surpassing Aaron yep. Rodgers, who we bested in the game yesterday. Are the Vikings something? I mean, there's something in, in regards to the playoffs. I mean, they have a 60% chance to make the playoffs, according to 538. Um, they have talent. Justin Jefferson is good enough, and Adam Thielen is good enough to make anybody into a good quarterback. Kirk Cousins being average, slightly above average, whatever you want to call him. And Kirk Cousins can, Kirk Cousins can almost be defined by his name, right? He is Kirk Cousins. That, that's the best way to describe him. Um, but Jefferson makes him better. Thielen makes him better. Uh, the defense is there's always at least going to be a baseline because of the talent there and because of Mike Zimmer. They're not something in as much as that if I'm Tampa Bay or Green Bay, I'm scared to see them in January. Um, but they can be bad teams. Um, they can... They can give somebody a scare, maybe. Um, I just think that when your quarterback is Kirk Cousins, you're limited. Uh, but, you know, listen, Clint Kubiak, a play caller, you know, Gary Sun, obviously, he was getting Justin Jefferson the ball out of the backfield. I mean, they're doing some real interesting stuff. So I'm intrigued by them. I think the ceiling is pretty low, but they're a playoff team. Wow. All right. All right. You're, you're, Helping me make sense of this uh, until next week when those very same teams that you just believed in are playing like crap and the That's ones right. we just saw lose are dominant again. It's impossible to keep up, and I at least feel good about myself because even the experts are confused this season. It's that weird. Uh, awesome stuff, Kevin. Thanks so much for the insight. Anytime. Next time we'll talk Bears. No, no, no. We're good. I think we're good. Uh, <laughs> let's just pretend they don't exist for a while until we clean some stuff up. Uh, Kevin Clark, you can read his stuff on The Ringer, senior writer over there, also host of The Ringer NFL show, brought to you by My Computer Career, training for a better life. It's Spain and Fitz. Fitz going to join me in a few. We'll talk about... Uh, hopefully not our our teams. We'll talk a little Thanksgiving, by the way. We asked you guys a couple polls at Spain and Fitz, at Jason Fitz, at Sarah Spain. We asked if you were cool with Harry Douglas having a selection of meats, ribs, catfish, chicken, etc. instead of turkey. At Jeff Norman 90 hit us up on the uh, on the uh, Spain and Fitz um, nation and uh, uh, hit us up on the Dr Pepper Twitter feed. And he said. Uh, <laughs> He said he's totally fine without it. I lost the tweet. I lost the tweet. I'll tell you when I get back. Fitz will join me too. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. I got killed by the heart out that segment. I got Greg Cody'd by the heart out because I could not find the tweet I wanted to read. I'm going to clean that up now. You just pretend that never happened. It's Monday, okay? I'm recovering from my bears stealing my soul yesterday. But we asked you guys if you're cool with Harry Douglas making ribs and catfish and baked chicken and having no turkey on Thanksgiving. And many of you hit me up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with some news from Spain and Fitz Nation. At Jeff Norman 90 I would swap turkey for ribs seven days a week. At Ratto Indy. Turkey is just chicken that's been tossed in a dryer for six hours. So I'll take that as a you're cool with it. Most of you guys not a big fan of turkey. Someone said turkey's just a small punishment for living on stolen land. Okay. All right. I got the message about the turkey. Uh, speaking of turkeys, are the Bucks going to be the latest turkey? Latest good team to fall to a bad one. They've already done it a couple times this year. And they've got Monday Night Football tonight. Saquon Barkley back for the Giants. Gronk back for uh, the Buccaneers, even though my screen says the, the Patriots because the person who wrote that thinks 
It is not 2021. We are in the year 2021. <laughs> my producer back there. Uh, that's the Monday Night Football Preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. It is indeed the Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady and Gronk are both on that team now. Catch up. <laughs> We're brought to you by Progressive Insurance. If your pet is hurt in a car accident, Progressive pays up to $1,000 in vet expenses with free pet coverage. Visit Progressive.com. We're going to talk LeBron's suspension. We're going to talk Stewart's suspension. We're going to talk your Thanksgiving traditions in a little bit. But first, I was listening. If I can say real quick, Sarah, first yeah. of all, I can't believe I did that. Actually, I can because it's a holiday week. and I'm I did it tired. last week. I did it last week. I also, I, have, like... I also have breaking news. Thank thank goodness here to save us all is Jason Fitz. Wow. All right. Welcome wow. That in. is an intro. Hey, you know, hey, I'd like Jason, to thank uh, my life coach. Do you know coach. what team Tom Brady plays for? How about Grug? Any uh, ideas? Well, Big guesses? It depends on the day, really. Uh, <laughs> I did just critique our digital Monday Night Football show for throwing up a Buccaneer. Like, we, we put up, you know, pictures, animations behind us of the matchup. So, the Giant, I thought, was a little bit, looked a little too much like... Uh, Brady for the giant representation, and then uh-huh. for the Buccaneers representation, they picked a pirate that was very patriot-y. I mean, like it wow. sort of felt like a patriot-y thing, and yeah. I was like, I don't know what we're doing here. <laughs> Everyone's a little confused, and that's okay, because this has been a very confusing season. I was just talking to Kevin Clark about just the wild statistics. Fits 23 different games have been decided on the last play This season, that's most through 11 weeks uh, since the AFL-NFL merger. 47 different quarterbacks have started since week eight, which is just absurd. And it had me thinking. I was listening to Golick Jr. and Canty today, and they were talking about your power rankings poll. You have not brought that to this show, but allegedly you have been walking around the building on other shows perhaps when you're cheating on me, offering up people to vote on who uh, they've uh, got hold, atop hold, the rankings. Hold, please. The origination of this, the origination of the mm-hmm. Fitz committee, the NFL playoff committee, yes. was on a Friday when you were out. I, I, I was, you know what, I was like, I'm going to try this and see if anybody likes it. And I did it wow. on Spain and Fitz. And then you kept tweeted it from about me ever it, since. And then everybody was like, this is so cool. We did it, it on the cool. Monday Night Football It is show. very cool. You just have never included me in it, which is fine. You've never been like, hey, what do you think? You're the I don't, one who's I don't beating me either. in the picks I don't, week in I, and week out. I don't Maybe vote. you have an opinion. I don't vote. I figure like <laughs> that way everything stays really clean. I get 13, right. 13 different right. people to vote and then uh, I get com- composite it and uh, put together a score. Okay, so your 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 goal in all of this is essentially to put together a group of people who are like the college football playoff committee, but for the NFL, that would be ranking the best teams week in and week out. Now, last week, I was right in saying that I think the Cardinals are still the best of the bunch. Even without Kyler Murray, they still got the win, and they have things figured out, in my opinion, to get Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and everybody healthy. That is still the team to beat. And a couple of the teams that other people had, Cowboys, Packers, Titans, struggled. So I'm curious if you happen to have, and I didn't ask you this before the show, but if you happen to have your latest, you know, committee rankings and how they looked after the des- the just destruction of week 11. Yes. And, and and if you're confident in the people on the committee anymore after what we've seen. Well, here's the interesting thing, because I tell everybody, you know what, apply the same logic that the college football playoff uh, committee has. So strength of schedule, eye test, big wins, big losses, all of this can play in to the way that they see it. And so I got 13 people, uh, not all that work here, uh, most that work here, but 13 different individuals uh, that 
to score it, and I tried to get a good mix of former players, former coaches, former analysts, all these different, or current analysts, I should say, all these different people to to score it, and then give an average composite score. So the top team is the Arizona Cardinals with an average score of a on a scale of one to six, six being you know the most points you could get each one. Uh, they they finished with four point five. So the Cardinals were number one. The Packers are number two, just behind them at four point three. Then there is a massive gap to get to the Patriots as the third best team. Uh, And after the Patriots, you have, and this was alarmingly close to me, you had the Buccaneers at four, the Titans at five, and the Chiefs at six. Their average composite score for each of those was a 2.2, a 2.1, and a 2.0. So it shows you how close it was. But what was also startling to me is three different of the 13 committee members, three committee members, for example, left the Patriots off their list completely. Three left the Titans off their list completely one committee member left the cardinals off their list completely so uh, it was jarring that the only team the committee is really confident in and consistent on truly is the green bay packers almost everybody has them at either two or three and the rest of it is an absolute dookie show i would be very interested in hearing the reasoning behind not having faith in the cardinals yeah, I I don't I don't know the answer to that. I've reached out to that committee member and I have not gotten an answer yet on why nothing on the Cardinals. Uh, they have uh, not had a boneheaded trap game loss. They have lost when we expected them to because their superstar quarterback and occasionally their otherworldly wide receiver have been out and they even won without him this week. So I'm just wondering what's holding people back from a team that we've seen be incredibly balanced, have a crazy explosive offense, and beat a bunch of really good teams. They beat the Rams. They beat the Titans. They beat the Browns when they were still kind of in the mix. Barely lost to the Packers. I mean, I guess, you know, I I guess maybe there's some subjectivity to the eyeball test on them, but that's a team that I've been confident in since, like, week three. Well, I am curious because some of the the minds that I really respect uh, here, particularly, like, we all know uh, my love of Mina and Bill Barnwell, two analytics people. They both, both of them had Arizona at number four on their list. So Okay, uh, well, this is the bill that last weekend – uh, on Friday, when I asked him, you know, we asked him the team he was most confident in consistently in and out. He said the Cowboys and yes, the Cowboys are no longer on his list at all. So, <laughs> you know, it's it's amazing how. But I, so there's two points to the exercise for me in, in my mind. Number one is to, to remind everybody how difficult the college football playoff committee job is, you know, and then. Two is to see how consistent or inconsistent everybody is. And the one person that did not change any of his ratings, and I don't think I'm violating any trust saying this, is Booger. Uh, Booger came in and said, look, I refuse to look at anything from a week-to-week basis. I will change my ratings after I've seen three three or four games. So... Mm. You know, it also uh, seems like a good way to not put any work into something that Jason Fitz randomly assigned you that you didn't ask for. Well, you know, I, I, I'm not sure Booger's still going to be on my committee next week. So wow. I'm kidding, Booger. I'd always take you on my committee. Wow. Um, all right, so I want to ask that, – that was excellent breakdown of that, and I really like that idea. I appreciate you just never including me in it or telling me about it, but I mm-hmm. like it, and I like that I heard it on another show. Perfect. <laughs> oh, Perfect. The NFL, uh, the confidence that you have in other teams, I want to get into at some point, too. So so we'll do that in a little bit because there's some middle of the Packers that I asked, not the actual Green Bay Packers, but teams that are middle of the pack. Kevin Clark about, and I want to get your take on those next. But, so not next, later. 
But first, we got to get into some quickies and some other stuff. And you also can be a part of Spain and Fitz Nation on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed. ESPN Nation's presented by Dr. Pepper. College football is back, and so are the fans. Return to glory with Fansville by Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. At Sarah Spain, at Jason Fitz, at Spain and Fitz. Keep coming with those uh, Thanksgiving traditions. We're going to do quickies next. Talk LeBron suspension. You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you on a Monday. Going to keep you updated on that Monday night football game, Giants and Buccaneers. We're going to get into some of your Thanksgiving traditions as well. Some of you got some interesting ones. We got the usual, you know, the flag football and the watch planes, trains, and automobiles. But you guys have some weird ones as well. We'll get into that. You're going the wrong way. (laughs) Those aren't pillows. (laughs) Um, Don't forget, you can tune into the That's What She Said podcast, hosted by yours truly and fueled by Gatorade. We appreciate their continued support of women's sports journalists and athletes here at ESPN and everywhere. Whatever path you take to greatness, Gatorade's proven formula is there to fuel it. Greatness starts with G. Uh, Kyle Brandt from Good Morning Football on this week. That'll be out tomorrow. Super fun. Really, really fun episode. So make sure you check it out. That's what she said with Sarah Spain. Let's get into some stuff we haven't hit because we've been so busy on the football. It's Quickies. Quickies with Spain and Fitz. We get in and out of topics fast. There was a uh, a man escaping tackle after tackle. No one could contain him yesterday. And it was not Jonathan Thomas. It was Isaiah Stewart uh, of the Pistons <laughs> who managed to break, uh, I don't know, 20 tackles over the course of several failed attempts to beat up LeBron James. Uh, this was after LeBron James sort of fisted him in the face it was like not an elbow not an arm not a, it was just a what they're calling a recklessly hitting him in the face uh when they were going up for a, a boxing out for a for for a free throw rebound now Stewart has been suspended two games for escalating an on-court altercation by repeatedly and aggressively pursuing James I thought he might get more than that based solely on the, the amount of you know, garbage that went on on the court, people falling, other people getting affected by him continuing to say, I'm okay, I'm okay, and then slipping out of their grasp and trying to fight again. LeBron suspended one game for that reckless hit and has a lot of people talking about whether LeBron's a dirty player, was it a dirty play? Jay Williams of KJ and Max, the first to talk about it. Watching that last night, man, as a certified hooper my whole life, LeBron James, that wasn't... He's not a dirty player, but that was a dirty play, even if it did happen inadvertently. And one of the things that I recognize when stuff happens, Key, if we were boxing out and Max and I were going against each other and I randomly came with my fist across his face, if I really didn't mean it, you know what I'm doing? I'm going over to Max. I'm picking you up. I'm saying, yo, you're right. That's my bad. I'm sorry. My fault, man. I didn't mean that. You know, we out here competing. My bad. You good? Like, I wouldn't just stand next to you and have my arm out looking at you and, like, looking at you sideways. So this is LeBron's first suspension in 19 years. Now, you could argue maybe that's because he's a co-commissioner with Adam Silver, but (laughs) I think it'd be tough to say dirty player, but it definitely looked like a bit of a dirty play. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, how often do we say good people do bad things and bad people do good things, right? Right. So LeBron can be a not-dirty player that uh, had a dirty play, and this is a regrettable moment for him 
for the league, for everybody involved, because frankly, if this same play happens between, I don't know, somebody we don't know with Phoenix taking on somebody we don't care about at Utah, it's probably not even a conversation, but it's a conversation because it's LeBron. So Well, the, and it's the Pistons. Yes. So you are immediately going right back to Malice at the Palace. You could hear the announcers saying, do not leave your seats. You will get arrested. Like, do not walk out there. Um, and, and the league just doesn't want reminders of that. Yeah, but, but for anyone that says, wow, this is Malice at the Palace too, like, no, far different things. Clearly. This got out of control, but I, I think everybody in the process deserved to be suspended. I was a little surprised it was only one game for LeBron, frankly. Like, I'm I'm neither a, a hater or a lover of LeBron. I'm really indifferent. I can appreciate his greatness. That's all I care about. But it, through it all, I, I'm a little surprised that one game, when you got that much blood, it's just such a bad visual. Yeah, 100%. It's Quickies. Next story. Quickies. All right, I said we were going to talk uh, something other than football. This is football, but it's college football. What do you think the <laughs> fallout will be from the blowout? We talked about this. I think I said it was the second biggest spread for two AP top seven teams ever, pretty much. Uh, so we did not expect necessarily Michigan State to keep it close. But, oh, boy, did Ohio State whoop up on them. The important thing here is I hope that Mel Tucker signed his reported 10-year, $95 million <laughs> offer before the game. And Great point. I mean, this is that moment where I'll remind everybody that between 2000 and 2021 in that 10 year 11 year period uh, in college sports almost 500 million dollars was paid in buyouts to coaches from professional or from football and basketball all of that to say like Mel Tucker's only had one winning season and I think what we were reminded is that like there might be a price tag for it but my god they are nowhere near where Ohio State is Ohio State Deserved. I, I said they were number two before last week. They showed everybody they're number two in the country. They're a great football team. Mm-hmm. Michigan State is not. Mel Tucker's getting paid like he's running a great football team. So he better be looking out saying, how am I going to get this fixed? Because there is a gap. There's a big gap. And we'll get into some slightly hot takes, potentially hot, potentially good, uh, in the next segment about that Ohio State team. Sticking with football, back to the NFL. Baker Mayfield leads the Browns barely to a win over a winless Lions team. And you'd think at least getting in the W column, despite all the injuries and being under such a spotlight, would make for at least a mildly pleasant interaction after the game. But instead, he skipped out on his media availability. His wife took to social media criticizing fans for not being quiet enough and behaving correctly at the games in order to help the team out. And then Baker said this. Baker, what did you make of of some of the booing there in the second half from the fans? Those are probably the same fans that won't be quiet while we're on offense and trying to operate, so don't really care. Hmm. Okay, so a good choice of how to uh, engage with a fan base that's already uh, kind of up in the air about whether you should be getting big money and sticking around. I mean, this is such a lose-lose for Baker. I understand why he's frustrated, I also understand that there's just nothing to gain by saying anything. You know, it's one of the unfortunate things for guys in his position. You may want to let it get off your chest, but it's not going to help your position. You're standing the way you're perceived, none of that. So I, I do understand the frustration, though. If you're Baker, you're coming in saying maybe it wasn't pretty, but it was a win. And last time I checked, wins are what they count. Like there isn't a side column for like it's not WL. T and then P for pretty at the end. Like it's just wins, losses, and ties. So I understand where he's coming from. Yeah, I get it. I just think it's it's tough for me because um, I know that he's passionate. I know that he's so wanting to win and so wanting to live up to expectations he has and other people have. But that's a no win situation. 
right? Yeah. It, you you need other people to send the message to the fans about that. And I've seen that in other situations where fans have been not able to figure out to keep quiet when the offense is working. And it's frustrating. But coming from him, never going to be good, right? It, it's just it's always going to be something that's frustrating to fans who are already trying to hang on to whether or not this season has any meaning and whether he does. Uh, quick last one for you. Uh, next story. There you go. Derek Carr, Raiders quarterback. Here's what he had to say about a heartbreaking loss. You know, being a Raider fan for a long time, you know, 20 years of this crap is enough. You know, I'm fed up. I just want to be a part of the the, the, the moment it changes, you know. I, I want that so bad. That's what keeps driving me. You know, I get pissed off and I get upset and I, I stand up here and I've done this way too many times than I'd like to do it. You know, because in my heart, the men in our room, the way we work, the way we go after things, it shouldn't always end like this crap. We have another one in just a few days against a really good football team. So if we don't want to stand up here and have to do this again, we better get it right. Fitz, uh, the question is, was that you? Yeah, I, you know <laughs> that what? sounds exactly like you. Car, I, I hear you, buddy. I want it to stop, too. I want to be around to see it turn around also. People in hell want ice water. You know, I, I, yep. this, this was the big Sunday where I realized something more important than anything about football and the playoffs. I realized the Raiders just suck this year, and that's it. Yeah, that's it. well, they could be the Bears. Yeah, so that's true. Could be worse. <laughs> that was absolutely embarrassing. Coming up, we'll do a little good take, hot take, some of the hottest and goodest takes on the NFL. It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Happy Thanksgiving week. It's Monday here on Spain and Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. My Thanksgiving week possibly to be ruined by the Bears giving the Lions their first win of the year. I don't want to get into it. it oh, wow. We bo- both about. of our teams are going to lose on Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We better wow. be drunk as hell and full of food so that oh, we're barely noticing that, that our teams great. are embarrassing us on national television yet again. It's that Sarah is... Spain, Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Guests join us on the Goodyear Hotline. Don't forget to tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. Presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily Available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. Today, a really good one. Um, talking about Peng Shui and and the story of the of the tennis player, but also as usual, Alex Smith talking to Pablo about all things NFL. That's been a really good back and forth all season long. So don't forget to check out ESPN Daily. Uh, speaking of talking NFL, we have a number of bloviating gas bags who have chimed in on what we've seen, and, and we need to decide whether they're 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 good take or hot taking it. Time to cut through the BS and rate the best takes of the day. Are they good takes? He would be the best quarterback in the history of New York to land here. Or hot takes? Hot takes. Give him the damn ball and let him decide. But that's not the Green Bay way. Find out now on Spain and Fitz. That's right. We're going to start with our go-to, our guy. He's always given us takes to work with. It's Dan Orlovsky, and he's confident in the Eagles quarterback. It is not a question anymore. Jalen Hurts is the quarterback now. He is the quarterback for the future. This is a team that is winning while rebuilding. Yeah. Put those two. Th- that does not happen in the NFL. Jalen Hurts right now in the last month has got the best QBR in football. They're using him the right way. That's They're the utilizing him as a weapon. He's become a runner. His scrambles remind me of Russell Wilson back in the day. Devontae Smith doesn't get covered. Dallas Goddard is great. Look at their schedule. They're in the playoffs. Fly go fly. And Jalen Hurts is the quarterback of the future for the no, no, all right Fitz good take or hot take oh man I feel like that's like that's got to be a hot take right I mean 
I, I think that the Eagles are, are a team that has proven me and, and many people wrong over the last month, particularly with how they've played. And I, I don't want to take anything away from that. In fact, Kevin Nagandi, the biggest Eagles fan I know, even tweeted out essentially a mea culpa about some of his takes about the Eagles. But to sit there and say you've got the quarterback of your future with the highest QBR, I'm, I'm just looking, and I know stats can be – Damaging, but over the last five games, 147 yards passing, 178, 162, 103. Like it's, it's not like we've seen enough from Jalen Hurts to know who he is as a throwing quarterback to know that he's the future. I, for right now, he's okay. There's not a quarterback next year in the draft, so he's going to be there for a second. But it feels like a hot take. It's a little warm to me. It is a little warm. I'm not going to say hot because I did like what I saw. Three rushing scores, confidence in control, Nick Sirianni finding some more balance with that offense, being able to use Miles Sanders to be more of a dual threat offense where you have to respect the run in the pass. That allows Jalen Hurts to play even better. The team looks better because of it. I'm very optimistic about this. I'm not going to say no more questions, which is what Orlovsky said. So I'm going to say warm. A warm and good. Good and warm. Good and warm. Like a chocolate chip cookie. It's good and warm. You prefer warm to hot. Uh, it's hot. It's it's hot. It's hot and fits. It's pain and fits. We're doing good take, hot take. Uh, Damian Woody, ESPN NFL analyst on SportsCenter, talking about the Packers' loss to the Vikings and said, no need to go, uh, be concerned. Number one, look at the other teams. Uh, look at the other teams in the NFC. You had the Dallas Cowboys that lost, but... Again, here's what I'm going to say about the Minnesota Vikings. They are better than what their record what their record is right now. Some of the losses that, that, that Minnesota Vikings have had this year, I mean, like, just heartbreaking losses. This team has been playing some pretty good football. Kirk Cousins has been outstanding this year. Dalvin Cook has been outstanding this year. So... For the, uh, for the Green Bay Packers to lose on the road against the Minnesota Vikings, that's not something you should ha- hang your head over. That's a, that's a good football team. All right. Good take, hot take. I think that's actually a good take. I mean, I, I just keep thinking about, even though you and I, I, I don't think necessarily agreed with how definitive Ryan Clark was with it, it's not like we didn't hear experts saying that this was a possibility. It's a, it's a good Minnesota football team. So, you know, as long as we don't try and make the loss about, you know, the toe and everything else going on, like, I think it's a good take to just say, hey, uh, the better team on this Sunday won, and you don't have to panic about it. Uh, people were saying that there could be an upset. And if I recall, when you made your picks, you said, I don't care what everyone's saying. The Packers are going to beat this Vikings team. I get the feeling we're going to hear that tomorrow when we do a little re-rack on our picks for the week. I think we might hear that. Uh, This, to me, is a good take. I agree. No need to freak out. They need to get to their bye week, which they won't get for another couple of weeks. they got to face the Rams, which is going to be tough, who are coming off a bye. So this could get to the point where we do need to worry about the Packers if they get rolled by the Rams and they just don't look right at any point after Rodgers being out because they haven't yet between the toe and COVID and not practicing. Uh, they had a, a stinker that they won anyway, and then this game, they let up two, 10 points on the last two possessions. They could not stop Justin Jefferson. Um, they could not stop Kirk Cousins, 341 yards and three touchdowns. They lost Jenkins, which is huge, and Bakhtiari, we still don't really know what his deal is. Maybe a setback there, and so I don't know if he's coming back. Um, I'm certainly concerned. I am not panicked, though, but I am concerned. Okay. Good take, hot take. Next up, some college football. I mentioned this earlier in the show that we were going to get this. Peter Burns, ESPN host on Best Week Ever, saying this about Ohio State Bama. 
All right, best chances of making the college football playoff right now, the All-State playoff predictor. Georgia sitting at 98%. Alabama is at 66%. And I find that to be interesting because that the only chance they have at this point, like a two-loss Alabama in my mind, Scalzo, is out. Right, like if they lose in the SEC championship game, even if it's a close game, they would need Cincinnati to fall. They would need Notre Dame to somehow fall. They would need a lot of help. They would need Oklahoma to probably beat Oklahoma State in Bedlam later on this year. So I look at this and I'm like, I think Ohio State will come in at number two. Georgia will still end up being number one. But if we saw Ohio State somehow play Alabama right now, I think Ohio State would beat them by two touchdowns. And I'm saying this as an SEC honk. I think Ohio State right now would beat Alabama by two touchdowns. All right, good take or hot take? That's a hot take. Ooh. And that's that's Bernsey being prisoner of the moment. Like, the, the numbers just don't support that. And and I know that Ohio State's explosive on offense, but to win by two touchdowns, you'd have to stop Alabama. And if you look, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, I should say, their passing defense is 99th in the country. That's not good. Ooh. Their long plays allowed, that's a play of 10 or more yardage, 76th in the country. Ohio State is susceptible to passing offenses that can figure out how to actually get the ball out. And uh, when they're susceptible, they're susceptible in a big, big way. I think Alabama could get enough plays. Like It'd be a high-scoring game. I'm not taking uh, Ohio State by two touchdowns in that at all. Yeah, I think it's a hot take. Um, After what we saw this weekend, it is not hard to get all over the bandwagon for Ohio State. But a part of me just thinks that we've seen Alabama dust a bunch of teams, too. And uh, seeing them up against each other. I want to see that game, by the way. I, I would love to see that matchup. Oh, yeah. I'm not ready to proclaim Ohio State a-, a Bama beaters just yet. All right, last one. I played this earlier on the show. Ask for folks' takes on no turkey on Thanksgiving. Your boy, Harry Douglas, was on KJM this morning and said this. We don't even eat turkey on Thanksgiving because I don't like turkey like that. So we eat ham, baked chicken, uh, stuff like that, man. We may have some – I may cook some ribs up, even though it's Thanksgiving. I don't care. I like ribs. I may throw some ribs on the grill, yeah. too. It's, it's a catfish it's, all that. No collard greens? It's your holiday. Yeah, I cook, I cook homemade want? collard greens. Okay. You going to fry that catfish? Yeah, I do it all, man. All right. Are you okay with no turkey, just a smorgasbord of other meats on yeah. Thanksgiving? Yeah, I'm good with that. I think that's a good take. <laughs> I, I mean – like, I, I think turkey might be the o- most overrated of all of the meats anyway. So, like, if it's going to be your holiday, like, might as well enjoy it with the, with the good meats. I'd rather have ham over turkey any day. I'm going to say hot take. Oh. I'm torn because on the one hand, I literally do believe that, like, meme that's going around everywhere now that's like, put up your tree, listen to Christmas music, do whatever the hell you want. If it's bringing you joy... That's what we need right now. Like, it's been a tough couple years. Whatever brings you joy. So, deep down, absolutely. I don't even have turkey. I'm a vegetarian, so who am I to talk? But there's a part of me that's like, I still like that tradition. It's one day a year. I like to have mashed potatoes and green beans and sweet potato and a biscuit and creamed corn and stuffing. I just want it to feel like Thanksgiving. And then every other year, you could do catfish and ribs and baked chicken. But... No, I'm I'm sticking with that. My gut says do what you want, but my gut also says I like tradition. I like to do it the way it's supposed to be. So I'm I'm sticking with uh, turkey and all the fixings. Garbage take. Just keep the <laughs> turkey away from me because I don't eat meat. Uh, wow, Stash is so cranky. He even chimed in on good day. Garbage take. take. He normally stays one. out of it, but wow. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle auto, home, or motorcycle insurance. Visit Progressive.com. I will say, when I ate meat, turkey was one of my faves. Good turkey sandwich, nice extra thin cut, 
you know, I don't know why I have the turkey hate. That's all I'm saying. Coming up, speaking of Thanksgiving, you guys have some weird traditions. We'll get into it. Plus, I'll ask Fitz about my middle of the Packers. Does he like them? Is he into them? Does he think they're going to make it? It's next. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Yes. All week, baby. Never gets old, this one. This makes me happy every Thanksgiving. It's Spain and Fitz, Sarah Spain, Jason Fitz, ESPN Radio, ESPN App, Sirius XM Channel 80. Listen to the Man in the Arena podcast, a 10-part series, exploring how sports impacts our everyday lives through the lens of Tom Brady's career. Brought to you by State Farm and available wherever you get your podcasts. We're going to get into some of the tweener teams and see if Fitz likes them, but earlier I asked you all for non-food, non-football Thanksgiving traditions. You have things that you do that don't involve those. And we got a lot of you hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper Twitter feed with news from Spain and Fitz Nation. At Mikey Lifestuff kicked us off with avoiding my family. It's a good tradition. <laughs> um, oh, I'm at, for that. That's awesome. I'm going to give you a bunch of these, Fitz. You tell me which one you want to adopt. We'll leave that one out just in case anyone's listening. At Destichem, WDE, bowling before eating. Nothing like a few pitchers of bowling alley beer to get dinner conversations going. Okay. No, no. Uh, Peach underscore Jones, way back when it was Euchre after meal one. Mm-hmm. First of all, I respect that you had multiple meals, not just leftovers, not just seconds, not just a sandwich, but meal one, meal two, meal three. That's what everybody should do. Uh, at Megan Buell, siblings and I would have a Frisbee golf tournament around the neighborhood, adult beverages included. Sounds fun. Definitely somewhere warm if that's happening. At No Ketchup on Dogs, wake up Friday morning, try to convince myself to eat well and exercise daily between then and Christmas, knowing the snowball is already in motion down the hill. I like that one. That's, what, Very that's good. At Skinny Chubby Guy, watch the Godfather saga one and two in chronological order before football starts while having coffee. Check out the Black Friday deals in the newspaper since there's no way I'll be going to any stores on Black Friday. If I remember correctly, you're one of those lunatics that goes to the stores. Oh, I love going. Yeah, I'm all you in would. on Black Friday. I, I love being a part would. of it. I absolutely, Gosh, yeah, I adore it. it. I'm all in. You are so basic. Yeah. At Fairly That's M1999, true. watch a terrible Hallmark Christmas movie and make fun of it. Mm. Um I don't usually do that, but my friend Colin Egglesfield is in a terrible Christmas movie this year. I shouldn't say terrible because, again, he's my friend. But I might watch it just just for that. Uh, when you got a friend in one of those, uh, it makes it a little more fun. At Mojo Ween, uh, I don't know what non-food, non-FL means. Oh, wait, does watching the Macy's Parade on TV for the last 40 years count? Sounds like you, fits. Yeah, well, and here's the thing. like Because I've worked basically every Thanksgiving of my adult life, I feel like I think it's been 14 or 15 years since I didn't have any work on Thanksgiving or the wow. day after. So uh, for me, I've almost always had to celebrate Thanksgiving at a weird time. You just pick a random day in November, and you're like, here we go. <laughs> so uh, over the years, I got used to pulling up the Macy's Day Parade, and then you just pull up any old year that you want, and you watch the parade on YouTube, and you just like cast it to your TV. Now it's become actually a lot of fun for me. Like I'd rather watch the awkward Transformers parade like like float from the 80s then see whatever the kids are watching today, you know. I would just keep picking the year where Spider-Man uh, sidled up to another float in the uh, Naughty Bits oh, area, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, that, that, that is, was a classic. Yeah. And, and uh, uh, by the way, it's it's amazing watching some of the early 80s parades and seeing how many problematic cartoons and musicals oh, there were at absolutely. the time. absolutely. Like, or like people hosting and celebs that pop by are like, that person's uh, yep, not allowed yep. it's like, around nope, anymore. Nope, 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 and uh, nope. <laughs> Last couple, uh, at 510 Pats, we go to the beach in the morning. Okay, well, you're messaging us probably from California or Florida then. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shireen L., watch the Lions most likely lose, take down the Halloween decorations and put up the Christmas ones. That sounds like you keeping up Halloween through November. 
I can uh, yeah, see that. I mean, I'm not mad at it, but I've, I've already made that transition. Come on, you I have, got Santa's you have, of already you up. Have, Let's go. Like you said, uh, Thanksgiving worst. is halftime of Christmas. Yeah, I am the worst. Uh, which is a good take. And then finally, at Gates Like Isaiah, I go to your boss's house for the weekend with a picture of Mickey Mouse. So uh, <laughs> of those, the most likely for me that I think I might actually consider would be going to bowling, drinking a couple pitchers of bowling alley beer. Uh, the family used to all go to the gym together in the morning before kids were involved and we all got old and broken. That one has kind of fallen by the wayside. I don't I, like going to the gym in the morning. Like on the one yeah. hand, I kind of hate it. But on the other hand, I'm like, God, that would be so freeing for the rest of the day. Yes. You'd be like, yeah. this is great. Like I can wear my, my, my stretchy sweats and feel good about it. I'm all in. That's right. That's right. Uh, thank you for all of your traditions. I, I think I might start incorporating Fitz's Thanksgiving is halftime of Christmas. Starts November 1st, ends December 31st. I'm here for it. Uh, speaking of Fitz, you were not on earlier in the show when I was going through some of the middle of the Packers. Don't look now, teams, but now we might have to pay attention and see if they're going to make something of themselves. If I gave you the Eagles, Colts, and Vikings, who you got? Who you think is most likely to actually make a run and be relevant down the end of the line? Yeah, I, the Colts. Uh, anytime you're running the football that well, and I, I don't want to be prisoner of the moment either with Jonathan Taylor and, and what he did uh, in that game. But my God, if you're running the football that well, I just I keep looking at it saying it, it seems so difficult to stop him. And I know that we've made it all about Carson Wentz, but when you talk about all three of the quarterbacks, I mean, if, if you're talking about the end of the year, I do want a coach and a quarterback combo that I feel like I can at least trust. And of the three quarterbacks you've given me, uh, the, the best of a bad lot there. I feel like Carson Wentz, Frank Reich is the most trustable combo there. So add in the fact that they're running the ball well and the fact that I, I came into the year thinking they had a talented roster, it feels like the Colts belong there. I agree with you. Um, this was a team that when the season started, we looked at that roster and expected them to be in it. And between Carson Wentz and other injuries, um, th they got off to such a slow start that it felt like a disaster. But here we are looking at a team, like you said, that can really do damage on the ground. A team that struggled against good teams. They had an eight-game losing streak against playoff teams from last season, but they moved to 500 with a definitive win. My only concern with them, and I said this earlier, is four of their remaining six games are against teams with winning records. They start with the Bucks and Tom Brady in Week 12 and go from there against some really quality opponents. And, and that, to me is where you have to keep an eye on whether or not they just feasted on a Bills team that's really struggling to find its identity. Their run defense has struggled all season long. You remember what you saw Derrick Henry do to them back in week six. So if that's just a matter of them really having a good matchup on matchup with that Bills defense and then taking advantage of some really bad, you know, the Bills missed two field goals. You saw um, the returner who accidentally touched the ball, setting them up for uh, an easy TD there. I need to see a little bit more from the Colts against other competition to know that this just wasn't a real bad matchup for Buffalo. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I do think, you know, now, and this is always dangerous to look back at the schedule and say, what if, but you, you can look back and say they, they have a overtime loss to the Titans an overtime loss to the Ravens and a three point loss to the Rams. So even though their season has had some moments where they didn't necessarily pass the eye test, Three of those losses you can look at and say, man, you talk about losing to teams that at least in the moment seemed like they were pretty good in epic or dramatic, I should say, fashion. Uh, that that has to matter to the conversation of how they'll play against better teams 
moving ahead because like the Buccaneers have lost two in a row and I don't know uh, where they're going to be the the Cardinals may or may not be healthy but continue to win football games and the Raiders have fallen apart so three of their opponents uh, that that they have coming up I think they should be favored against uh I agree I I agree and I I think there's you know I would say I believe more in the Vikings than I do um the Eagles maybe although I think Nick Sirianni is starting to put some of this stuff together Um, and the Vikings always have the chance of blowing it on a missed field goal or their defense falling apart and letting a team back into it. It was it was really up to uh, Kirk Cousins and the offense repeatedly to get back at it after the defense allowed allowed the Packers back in it. Um, the Bengals also interesting. I mean, no offense, but your Raiders haven't looked good. They still needed three field goals of 50 yards or more to beat the Raiders early and then and then stay you know, ahead and, and score those two late touchdowns. Uh, I just don't know. I, I've never really been sold on the Bengals, and they still aren't doing much for me. Yeah, I wasn't sold on them in that way. The, the Raiders are just terrible right now. That, but Cincinnati didn't look great in the process of beating a terrible Raiders team. Terrible. Did I say terrible? Yeah, terrible. Uh, terrible. Again, could be worse because the Bears couldn't beat a team without Lamar Jackson, whose entire identity this season fair. has been they only win because of Lamar Jackson. And we are so bad, and our coach still doesn't even know when to go for two. I am going to keep talking into the night, even when the show ends. Matt Nagy on Freddie and Fitzsimmons. He's going to talk about timeouts next. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.